and welcome to the first ECE Quality Ireland podcast of the new um, academic year. I'm Celine Govern. And I'm Paula Walsh. And today um, we're going to be discussing a topic that's very much been um, in the news and on the radio um, here in Ireland the last couple of weeks with um, budget season and the budget coming up next month. And what we're going to be discussing um, is whether or not Ireland could implement a publicly funded childcare model. Um, now, just as a caveat, this is just a discussion. We're just sort of trying to flesh out what that might look like. And, um, you know, so mm. I just, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, we're not coming to it, I suppose, with any preset agendas. So no, exactly. It's yeah. not that we're we're promoting a publicly funded model and we're not against just, it. Yeah, as yeah. Such. we're just we're trying, actually trying to just... understand what it is. Yeah. And what it might look like for us in Ireland in our sector because you know myself and yourself Paula there for the last half hour have been saying let's take a look at the Norway model but I think the reality is no matter what model we look at throughout the world is you're not comparing like with like so your starting point is different so we can only look at other models and say well we like that part of it but maybe the other part wouldn't work for us because of our yeah because of our background and our history and traditionally how how the industry has or sector, I should say, it's not an industry, has been um, yeah. has been founded. So why so, don't we start then, just in case, on the off chance that our global reach, <laughs> that <laughs> people outside of Ireland are... Well, uh, we know we've got Canada. We do, we do. We know we've got lots in yeah. in the UK, yeah. So what does it look like in terms of what, what we are here and how we're funded in Ireland at the moment? So we are 74% private for-profit services at the moment with the remainder being community-based or public funded you know services however both receive government funding to some extent right yeah um so but on as well as that what's really important for anybody listening to understand um who may not be aware or who may be from outside of ireland is that the oecd funding that goes towards the sector in Ireland is well below the OECD average. So we stand at 0.2% GDP and mm-hmm. OECD average is 0.8, but you were saying they UNICEF, is it, are calling for? Yeah, the UNICEF recommendation is that all countries would spend 1% of GDP on early years care and education. Ireland falls well short of that. It was always 0.2%. You see it fluctuating up to 0.3%. But as my husband keeps telling me, the accountant keeps telling me that 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 there's a bump there because of the multinationals in Ireland. Um, so we're somewhere between 0.2 and 0.3%. The European average is about 0.8% spend of GDP on, on, on early years care and education. So we are falling well short. That has, there's a history there. It's not... It's not that we've suddenly fallen short. Ireland has always been behind in funding this sector. There has always been. And to be fair, our current Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman, has been working really, really hard on getting us up there. And yeah. that is one of his 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 missions in government is, is to get us up there. And he has definitely brought us closer, but it's it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's where the funding is going that 
you know, not everybody is happy with, I suppose. Yeah. And I suppose we do need to acknowledge that, you know, that that the current minister, Roderick O'Gorman, and the, even the previous minister, Catherine Zappone, yeah. you know, there have been huge strides, you know, um, towards increasing the funding in this sector across the, the terms of their ministerships or whatever the proper word is um, over the sector. But nevertheless, even mm. with the huge amount of investment, yeah. was, was it an extra 192 yeah million or something last million, year yeah. or this year um we still fall well below the oecd average of 0.8 percent so something that i notice i've been noticed uh, noticing a lot online lately is okay so there's a call for you know to look at a public funded model of mm. child care model now we're using the term child care it's early child education mm. and care right but you know, <clears throat> maybe yeah. I suppose for this episode, when we're looking at what's been out there in the news, they're calling for a public child childcare model. Um, you know, but we have to sort of think about why that's been called for. And the reason why that's been called for is largely to do with the huge amount that it's reported that parents are having to pay to fund their 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 childcare so yeah. that they can go go into the workforce. So it's a mm -hmm. workforce act childcare being a workforce sort of activation measure as yes. such. And due to the you know reports that some parents are paying nearly a second mortgage or whatever to so that they can go back to work and it's not worth this and people are having to give up work, which is usually ends up being the mother or the female, um, because that's just the way it is. Yeah. And um, therefore it's sort of um it's inequitable then in that way if it's if women are being um, you know, having to leave their career yeah. after they have children. Um, you know, because they can't afford childcare. So there have been calls lately for a publicly funded model. But as we're setting out right from the start, we're not on par with other countries where this has been done before, the likes of, you know, Norway, Finland, other yeah. countries, because of that gap with the GD, with the um the OECD yeah. and the GDP, yeah. the amount of funding <clears throat> we're putting in. But nevertheless, we'll flesh it out and see where we go. So Yeah, I mean I suppose, you know, the concept that I just want to, we, I, I think we need to flesh out that bit first. The concept, and I heard Virgin Media um, have, have been using this a lot when they're interviewing, you know, different people that, you know, and, and they always say it, you know, and parents are paying a second mortgage, you know, and just if that is less so now than it was 12 months ago. And that is as, as a direct result of the increased NCS funding that the current government and the Department of Children have brought in. So a year ago, the universal NCS subsidy was 50 cent per hour per child. <clears throat> Excuse me. That has increased now to one euro 40 on the universal subsidy. That's the minimum that every child in Ireland is now getting. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a frog. Um, but for many um, children, for many, for many parents, depending on their personal circumstances, that can be as high as four euro. Right. An hour. So that is very, very significant. But I was just giving the example to Paula earlier on. I have, let's say, a couple, a married couple who, who, who come to my service. And I won't say what they do because it will give them away. But let's say they're both in government funded jobs earning approximately 90,000 a year between them. 
right? So they're real middle income public service um, people. They've got two children with me. One is an after school. But let's take the younger child, for example. She comes to me for full daycare and she's also ecky. So my weekly fee, which is common where I am, an hour out of Dublin around Kells and County Meath, is €185. When I take her ecky off that and her universal subsidy, it brings her down to €62 approximately a week. Now, €62 a week is not a second mortgage. It's actually on par with what they're paying in Norway, we've just worked out. Mm. Now, I do understand that I am only giving this from my perspective, and but I know that that is the fee that is being charged around me. That's, yeah. you know, that's, that's just, average. Just as you're saying that there, just something I, I realise, you're saying that this child is also ecky, so it's yes. a preschool age child. Yes, this child so. has, yes, is three. So yeah. a three-year-old... So is getting both ECI subsidy and the universal subsidy. Yeah. So would it be safe to assume then that where we're talking about maybe the parents who are having to pay this second mortgage yeah. type of fee, we're looking at yeah. parents, children who are under the age of two years and eight months. Definitely. They are that pinch point group and they've got a double whammy coming to them because they don't have the ECI subsidy yet. But also more than that, it's impossible to find a place for a child under two. It's impossible. And the reason for that is that for providers, it's not financially viable for us to offer those places. So I don't offer places for children under two. I've got three services now and I don't offer places because it's just not financially viable. I would need bedrooms. I would need bathrooms. I would need extra staff. My insurance would go up. You know, the regulations are much tougher. Um, so I don't offer it. Yeah. And, and I'm not alone. The, you know, a lot of providers would say, and including yourself, you know, what your 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 staff salaries are what about 50% of your running costs, would it be? Or more? Yeah, actually I ran it today and my current it's it's I'm currently sitting at 50%. Yeah. And that's only four weeks in. I just did an average of the month that will change as we as we progress through the year. But as yeah. we are now, four weeks in, for the last four weeks, it has been 50%. So you can have one staff to 11 children. Now you may be over ratio, I don't know. but I'm you, over ratio, yeah. Yeah, and most both places are for quality you purposes, have to be, especially yeah. if you want to give children free movement if you're setting yeah. indoors, outdoors, etc. Yeah. But the regulations are one child one adult to 11 children yeah. when we're talking about ecky and preschool those children over two years and eight months but when we're looking at babies it can be one adult to three and then it goes up as they get a little bit older so yeah. 50 percent of your running costs are your wages and that's without that's on a ratio the higher ratios you can see where all of a sudden you know for a provider providing full daycare with a baby room and a wobbler room and a toddler room you know for those before they get to yeah. that ecky funding that yeah. it's just unsustainable with increased you know cost of living increased you know heating bills food bills insurance yeah. costs and then more staff and the fees for yeah. the wages for staff have gone up with the 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 ero rates that thankfully came in and you know hopefully yeah. that will go up again but that all adds up to lots and lots of running costs so yes. that to bring us then, right, if we start looking at, okay, we know Ireland aren't investing enough 
GDP. Yeah, yeah. We know that there's a lack of places for children under two years yeah. and eight months, and that's because of the extra cost. So if yeah. we look at, if we were to look at a publicly funded model, mm -hmm. okay. Um. Now, just to differentiate, because as we were saying that we have seen on some of the um some pre-budget submissions and things that you know calling for public funded model made up of not for profit. But I don't know. I don't think that's something that's that's doable. And if you look at other countries who've implemented a publicly funded model, there's still very much a split of profit and not for profit. Right. So yeah, they're working side by side and they're doing it very well. Yeah, I think Norway still has something like 50 percent for profit providers and not for profit, but they work alongside. So you're not you can't you can't just ignore the fact that we are 74 percent private right yeah. for profit and there's nothing wrong with people who own a private business needing to make a profit right it's nothing to be ashamed of and there's nothing wrong with it and all that you know needs to be just put to one side and look at the you know <laughs> yeah absolutely how it could work. To note is that we we tend to think that you know that the community services are run like the primary schools they're absolutely not and i know many of them absolutely wonderful services they're run exactly like the private services and they're funded in the same way. The only difference is in my service, I am the provider, whereas in a community service, the provider is a BOM, it's a board of management. Yeah. But they also have to make a profit because if they don't make a profit and have a rainy day fund somewhere, when costs go up or when the roof leaks or when something happens, they are immediately unsustainable. And we are seeing that with community services. <clears throat> around the country actually are having as many problems as the privately run services because you know they are funded in the same way they get core funding like we do they get NCS um you know to help with parental fees they get ECI to help with parental fees so they don't get anything more and they're sub and, and they have to pay the same wages the euro wages as everybody else so they're actually exactly the same hmm. um and they're struggling so I always say like if the community services are struggling you know, what makes anybody think that the private services would be doing any better? I know, I know. So we'll put that debate about public, private, all that just to one side. And we'll say, how would we do? So if we look at what we are now, how we could, if could a public, a publicly funded model, <clears throat> both yeah. private or, or profit and not-for-profit settings are funded. So if you look at, you know, Norway, for example, right? So they have what we would call a publicly funded model. OK, uh -huh. so they still have 50 percent private for profit settings. Yes. And, you know, importantly, though, they are treated exactly the same way in terms of the public funding that's received as the. um the 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 public. not for profit or yeah. the ones that are run by <clears throat> their, their local municipalities. Yes. So they have funding that's much greater than ours in terms of yeah. their GDP um proportion yeah. of the GDP um for the country that's that's set aside to provide this. Yeah. So and importantly as well, their parent fees are capped. So they obviously at some point looked at what's fair or whatever right rationale they use to decide and it, it's decided in their budget every year what will parent fees be capped at? And it's a range we were looking at, what, from about 280 to 300 yes. euros a month. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
um, and parents' fees are capped at that. Yeah. And the rest is, is met by the government. Is met by the government. So the government has this large chunk of funding and they divvy it out to the different municipalities or what our equivalent possibly would be the county councils. And the mm-hmm. county councils divvy that out to their local profit and not-for-profit. Yeah. And interestingly, we saw, we were looking there, the not-for-profit get, um, in terms of running costs, they get something like 18% towards their running costs and the not-for-profit get 15%. But the wages of the educators are paid yeah. also on top of that through government funding. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when 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 you break it all down, there's actually not that much difference between the Norway Norwegian model and our model. The major difference is how much funding is coming into services. So if I had the same amount of funding that was coming into my service as my equivalent in Norway, I would be able to pay my teachers a proper wage that recognizes their qualifications, their experience, their expertise, and that pays them a wage that they deserve and that they are, you know, that that they work really hard to get. I would also be able to, um, we would also be able to decrease parents' fees completely. Now, my parents' fees aren't high anyway, but parents' fees would be able to be capped at a really low, really low amount. And I, as the provider, would be able to recoup my investment, which has been huge in the last couple of years. And then I would be able to have a profit. And the profit, let me be really, really clear, I am a sole trader. The profit is my wage. I'm not a company director. I'm not registered as a company. So I don't take a wage from my business. As a sole trader, the owner's wage is the profit after you've done everything else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think people hear the word profit and go, oh my God, she's on 100,000 a year, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nowhere near it, you know? But that, so that's where the profit comes from. And people, people use that as if it's a dirty term. But if I didn't have profit, I wouldn't be able to put my dinner on the table for me and my family. That yeah. That's my wage, you know? So, you know, a publicly funded model doesn't scare me. And I think what I'm seeing online a lot and what's really upsetting um, and annoying actually is this kind of idea that, you know, I would be, or that we as providers, well, me, I know you're not, would be against a publicly funded model. And I'm absolutely not. I'm already operating a partly government funded model for the government. I administer the schemes, you know, I do all of the work on Hive. I make sure that the parents are given the subsidy. I'm already operating this publicly funded model for the government. I am absolutely not afraid of it coming down the road more at me. In fact, I would welcome it. I I currently take some of my fees from, from the government and some of my, the rest of the fees that is made up from the parents. I hate taking money off the parents. I hate every Monday, like I did today, having to go through the accounts and send out invoices and parents having to pay me. I hate it. Mm. I would far rather, in my service anyway, it would work for me if all of that came from the government, if that was fully government funded. I would absolutely love that. And then I would love if they would fund it even more so that I could pay my educators what they deserve. Because at the moment, even though I pay well above the ERO rates, it's not anywhere near what they should be paid it is not recognizing their education and and the amount of work and effort that they do and the absolute amazing 
you know, contribution that they make to Irish society is not being recognized. So Absolutely. I say bring it on, bring on yeah. this publicly funded model. But I have concerns. And it has to be done right. And, you know, I think that throwing just throwing more money into the NCS or throwing more money into core funding, I don't think is going to fix it. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, okay, there's a lot of the what we hear in the news is from the perspective of childcare and as a work activation measure, childcare needed yes. to enable people and parents to go to work. <clears throat> yeah. Some of those parents are the educators in mm-hmm. the settings, right? Yeah. So we have to think of the perspective of the educator as well, you know, yeah. and I think the professional recognition of the sector is and the professional sort of professional salary scale pr- properly remunerated all that stuff is going to be really important and even more important if you're looking at a publicly funded model because yes. in a proper pu- publicly funded model the public funding is also paying the, the wages yes right not a bit yes. towards being able to give a little bit of an increase to the wages but it's mm-hmm. paying the wages like yes. to me, I think we need to be looking at like when I think of how Norway has done it and I think how would that map to here? Yeah. I'm looking at, OK, first of all, from the parents perspective, you need to look at, I don't know, maybe by a, an area basis, you know, because running costs are different and, you know, the cost of living is different. You know, so a band of, you know, say like in Norway, the maximum cost per month that you can charge parents, a band there, say, I don't know. Just for argument, 300 euro. it was 300 euro between yeah. 280, 320, say for yeah. argument's sake, right? Yeah. The higher end, depending if the area was more expensive to live yeah. in, blah, blah, blah. And your costs, you know, to um your cost of living was higher, right? So that's, okay, the parents' fees. So set the parents' fees like that, right? Yeah. I know I'm overly simplifying this, okay? No, no, go on. So that's the parents' fees. Then you need to look at uh, the running costs how much it would cost the settings to run. So we've the different kinds of settings, depending on how many hours they're open, the running costs of everything, you know, yep. separate to separate to wages, right? Yeah. Your electricity, your bills, your heating, your insurance, yep. um, your rates or whatever, your water charge, whatever you have to pay per yep. area. So your running costs, right, for the setting. And then you get to the educator. And I mm-hmm. think this is where the stickler is because mm. we can give money to parents, which we're doing, right? Yes. Probably not enough, but it's been done through the national yes. childcare scheme. We're giving money to settings now as part of core funding that'll go towards, but does, mm-hmm. am I right or wrong that that can go towards running costs as well? Or is it just towards wages? No, no, there's, there's a small portion of it towards running costs, but it's falling very, very far short. Yeah. Which is why you can't, which is why we don't have under twos. Yeah. So I think your running costs, your core funding or equivalent kind of <clears throat> needs to go mm-hmm. to your running costs. And then you come to the educator. Mm-hmm. So the educator, first of all, needs to be recognized as, mm-hmm. you know, a degree qualified, you mm-hmm. know, for those. That, and this is go in line with government first five uh, policy yeah. like by 2028 wanted 50% degree so 50% of educators having a degree right yeah so there needs to be pay parity there with other sectors mm-hmm. for a degree qualified educator okay yes. and I know people say well we have the care as well so it's not you're not really educating yet there's care involved in primary school education and we've discussed this before as yeah. well okay so yeah. that's that that to me is just doesn't hold water that argument no. right um, I think we need to be 
recognized under the education system as educators yes um you know and put on a pay scale that mm-hmm. just like the teachers and mm-hmm. you know that so and, and those wages are fully paid by the department yeah. so your department the department whether that continued to be the dcdiy but i prefer if we were brought under the department of education and we were formally mm-hmm. recognized part of that like other countries are yeah they pay the staff fees just like the teachers right mm-hmm. The running costs are paid from some funding, you know, some pot of funding, yeah. like core funding yeah. or equivalent, similar to the schools. And then you've got parents' fees, which are capped on top of that. Yeah. Okay. That's how I would see that working. If you talk to me about a publicly funded model here. Yes. And that is how a publicly funded model <clears throat> works. The problems then that you have to also address are the complexities of it. So, for example, I've got three services, all exactly the same size, catering for the same amount of children. And, you know, my oldest service, which is 22 years old now, I invested huge money in that to get that up and off the ground. And now it's it's paid off. But at the end of the day, it was my investment that did that. And now I've just invested another 200,000 between the other two services. So I have to recoup that. And that's where I, that's your, your for-profit has to come in as well. Yes. Because your yes. profit has to cover, you know. Yes, exactly. So, for example, in one of those services, I'm renting. I'm just renting, right? I, I invested maybe 20,000, but I, ultimately I'm just renting. In the other service, <clears throat> and these are all just, let me say, in small country villages where there was no service previously, right? So I've established services in parishes where there was no service. So children were either not availing or having to go outside of their parish um, in, in the car and off they go. In the second service, I, I, I've i built a premises from scratch and there's about 180,000 gone into that. So, you know, that's my money. It's not a gift to the government or it's not a gift to the parish. I have to get that back. So there has to be, that has to be looked at how you would how you would add that in because that my that service that i that i built is very different for example to the service where i'm just renting the premises from the local community you know huge difference in variation there so how would they organize that the other thing that i would have a slight concern with is at the moment you said this to me before you said i know you offer offer operate over ratio and i do so the ratio is 11 to 1 let's say in ecky Okay, I currently have 18 in an ECI class with three teachers. Mm. So I'm well over ratio. If we allow the government to just take over paying um, the wages, they are not going to make that difference. They are not going, they are only going to pay the two educators. They're going to reduce the capitation they're giving me, not allowing me, not giving me the ability to pay that extra member of staff. And so there's blips there in quality that will happen. Because if the government take it over, you can be absolutely sure it will be run. And I know as a secondary school teacher, it's run very, 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 very tightly. Do you know what I mean? You've got primary school teachers at the moment. I know somebody in Donegal who's teaching a class of junior infants, 34 children in the classroom. Do you know what I mean? Crazy stuff going on. So we have to be really careful that we don't lose while accepting and, and going for, you know, a fully government funded model that we don't lose those elements of quality because I know that they would not, they would not pay for that third person that I'm paying in all three of my schools. Mm. They would not pay for that person. 
And so therefore you've got an immediate drop in quality. You've also got things like, you know, in 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 two of my services, I pay rates and in one service I don't because it's a community-based center. You know, so there's all those little nuances. Yeah. And it's not it's that they not can't be worked out. Yeah, it's not that they can't be worked out, but they will only be worked out if providers are brought to the table. And if what we actually deal with every day is listened to and taken on board and taken seriously you know you know i i you know i've mentioned before i've come my background was in in management of okay. a community um yeah community-based setting you know and certainly um we would have been over ratio as well we had a very we were mostly based in the outdoors we had that yes. you know we were operating i my, we were operating with an ethos of quality 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 as, as most places are like yourself yeah, right absolutely. and 100%. to do that we had to be over ratio otherwise yeah. we were not able to allow the children the choice to be you know move freely within the outdoors and the indoors and whatever uh, that's just one example we needed to be over ratio to be able to do that and Eki is now Paula aged two years and eight months up we are finding that the vast majority of children are not toilet trained now till they're three and a half or four. Yeah. So half of all of my children, half of all of my children are in pull-ups or nappies. Yeah. Now, how do you change those children every day? One person is in the toilet basically all day, which leaves one person out on the floor. It just, it's not workable. You no. have to have three people in a room to have a quality service. And that's where the funding has to take into account you know the nuances of this sector you know certainly you can't just mop or map the model yes. of the primary sector onto this sector yes you can take the best parts of it such as yeah. properly paying people and salary scales yeah. and that kind of stuff right yeah. um but you also have to look at the nuances of and where i think that comes in i know i've mentioned this before is you need to look i think at our sector through the difference in the ratio of care versus education it switches more to less care more education when you get i think into four primary second and that goes again mm -hmm. in secondary but mm -hmm. to be able to provide that care and also the education you know to a certain standard of quality you have to be over it. You have to have, you know, that extra person there, that extra pair of hands. So that's not something that can, you know, there's certain things I feel you can't compromise, compromise. on. Right. Yeah. And that, and yeah. if we're truly keeping the child at the center of any consideration of a public funded model, then those things will be kept, you know, and will be, if yeah. I, if you ask me, I think that with the ratio needs to be improved in terms of, you know, one to 11 is just not enough. If the ratio needs to be one to eight or one to whatever, you know, so one to seven. Yeah. I one mean, seven. I just wouldn't operate at any less than three no. in an empty classroom. I mean, you know, for the children, of course, but for my educators to mm. avoid burnout. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it on a lot of the Facebook groups, three weeks in and the amount of educators on some of the Facebook pages saying, I am burnt out. I'm three weeks in and I'm burnt out. Yeah. You know, and I can only assume it's because they are working two ratios, which is exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting. It's too intensive and quality can't 
be really, really high, you know? And I feel this brings us back around to the thing where we look at, you know, I spoke at the start that, you know, we like the term early childhood education and care, but that we're looking at the stuff in the news lately, it's talking about a public funded model of child care. Yes. You know, whereas when we're talking about the funding that goes into the sector and it's looking at child care. So do you want your kids to be just watched or do you want the kids to be engaged in early childhood education and care? And if you do, as the department says, they want um, you know, then it has to be properly funded and that that, that yeah, and has to be forefront. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm really struck and I'm not, you know, we're not here to talk about anybody else, but I am really surprised by the people who um, keep promoting this idea of childcare. Um, as I keep saying, terminology matters. And, it, you know, we cannot continue to look for a professionalized sector if we keep changing the narrative the whole time to suit and I think you know it's really important that in every single conversation we have whether it's public or private or how we're funding it that we have to keep the child at the center and I think if the sector is going to be used for work activation whether that is for men or for women we have lost sight of what's important what has to be at the center is the child. Everything else has to come secondary to that. So when you're seeing the idea of people promoting a public sector to help, you know, families or to help women or to help the economy, you've lost the plot. We should be promoting that we pump money into this sector and the primary consideration should be the child. Everything else is important too, but has to come second to that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. or or else why you know? That's why I do my job. That's why I work in education. That's why I work in secondary education. That's why I work in all education. Is because the child is what's important. Yeah, and I hope and that's, don't exactly, that. that's exactly. I agree with you. You can't look at child care. Yes. Um, and not consider early childhood education and care. Do you know what I mean? They're not mutually exclusive things. There. This is. No. The, what the sector of early childhood education and care is what provides childcare for yes. children and so yes. parents can get to work. But what we are providing to the children yes. that we're caring for mm-hmm. is early childhood education. And, 100%. You know, so, and the nuance of that is lost in, I think, you know, the... Um, certain things that go out on the news and what you hear on the radio. It's always talking about the childcare, the childcare, childcare, childcare. It's the care that childcare is the care part of the early childhood education and care. There's yes. it's a much broader picture, you know, and you 100%. Have to yeah. And I said to somebody during the week, I said, imagine if we said to primary school teachers that we're not, we're going to pay you at a lesser rate per hour for when you're supervising them in the playground or when you're doing art or, you know what I mean? Because, you know, that's really just care, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And you wouldn't uh, that's, that's not at a, the same time. You know, you do have an expectation that the primary school teachers who educate educate your child also care for them as well. Uh, you know, and provide I mean, care. I mean, just, we have that we yeah. have that expectation right up to third level education. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that I don't care, you know, well, I'm on, I'm not working this year, but the idea that I didn't care for my leaving cert students is just the most bizarre thing. Yeah, I don't know what people think teachers do. But care is a huge part of it. If you don't care for your students and their well-being and their academic achievements, you're not doing a good job. 
Mm. It's all part of it. It's all tied in. It is all tied in. It is. It is. Now, so just getting back to as well, one other point I wanted to make before we run out of yeah. time is just in terms of looking at, we were looking, go back to the Norwegian model that we're using yeah. as a comparison. And there are other countries, but, Absolutely. you know, we just use this one. One other important point to make is that people pay more tax in Norway. Hugely so. You know, and if you want better services, public services like that, you have to be willing to pay a bit more tax. You, you have know, to be willing to pay. I think that's fair enough. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So now I can imagine you'll hear and you hear it on the radio all the time comments coming in from why should I pay for that person's child to be? I don't have yeah. any kids or whatever. But people seem to forget then as well that it's these children mm. who are going to pay taxes who are going to allow you to have a pension in the future. You know, so it's not yeah. just about <clears throat> helping yeah. out those parents and uh, you know only people I, who who have kids should you know pay taxes that contribute to that to this sector. You know, it's a, it's yeah, a, and also I think we know as well the statistics all show and I, I I'm I'm going to get this wrong. But there are statistics that show that for every euro that's invested in the early years sector, that the payback is whatever percentage. It's huge. Um, You know, that the investment in the early years sector pays off. It pays off for our our economy that we all benefit from in the future. Hmm. You know, so it's not an argument. You know, I don't have kids. I'm not paying for it in my taxes. That's not an argument. I don't have diabetes or heart disease or... You know, still pay for, yeah, but I still pay whatever, because yeah. I recognize that it's for the public good. Yeah. So I think that's also taxation would be something that would have to come into any discussion around increasing that yeah. kind of funding. So we're going to run out of time. Right. So if we just, I suppose, tie it up by just saying, you know, so do we think a publicly funded model could work in Ireland? I think we we've agreed that it can with with nuances. Yep. Yeah. It can, yeah, with nuances. And I think that's a really, that's the important crux of it, I think, is that in order to take those nuances of this sector into mm-hmm. consideration, you very much have to have not just the perspective of the parents who need the children cared for so they can go to work. You have to have the perspective of the sector, of the educators, of the providers, of you know, so that you know how much funding is needed to appropriately provide high quality early childhood education and care so that parents can go back to work so that children can be cared for and educated in those early years and so that the people working in the sector you know that it's it's worth them to be there that they're not leaving their droves to go elsewhere so yeah yeah. great chat i agree So, you know, we're going to run out of time, but for anybody who's listening, thanks for listening. Um, And this has been the ECE Quality Ireland podcast. And you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts online. And please do um, spread the word and give us a like and a share. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.